Welcome to Asian Glow Up. We're a podcast on connecting to our cultures, navigating our careers, and building community in our early 20s. We're your hosts. I'm Jojo. I'm Jackie. And I'm April. Today we're talking about our relationships with social media, the difference between close friends and a finsta, non-inclusive technology, body dysmorphia, and more. So to get started, Jackie and Jojo, what is your relationship with social media like, or specifically Instagram? I have maybe 300 photos, but I also recently went through and I archived like maybe 100 photos because I feel the need to kind of curate my feed every now and then. And I don't know, sometimes I really feel like I need to take a break, like a long break. So would you say you have a good relationship or a bad relationship? I wouldn't say it's either. It's kind of just a neutral relationship. A lot of people have to delete the app. I've never been to that point, but I do get... I guess what they call Instagram fatigue, where you don't want to scroll through your timeline because you're kind of sick of seeing all these posts in general. For me, I feel like I have a pretty good relationship with social media. I use it as a way to express myself, but also to get information. So for example, I think each social media platform has such different uses that I'm kind of in each one for different purposes. So for example, Snapchat, that's just like a really quick and funny thing that I see on the street and I'm just like, oh, haha, let me send it to my friends really quickly. Versus like Twitter, I honestly get most of my news from Twitter, sad to say. (laughs) So do I. Yeah, and just like all the memes and like different group chats on each platform, I think is also very different. So the main reason why I use social media at all is to connect with other people. But then for platforms like Instagram, it's definitely a way for me to create content and share things that I like. So whether it's a pretty photo of myself or a pretty photo of whatever. And I try not to think too much about the things I post. Back when I was in college, I was very into like blogging and just like taking random photos. Out of the three of us, I feel like I definitely have the most amount of photos on Instagram. But I don't think that's because I like didn't put any thought into it or anything. It was just, I see Instagram more as a way to just share pretty things with other people. It's hard because I use social media to keep up with friends and I like going through my feed and be like, oh, like she went here, she went here. And it's kind of hard too, but it's like, oh damn. Like I do compare myself to other people and this goes along with like how private I am also. But like if you look at my Instagram too, I'm very, very selective on how I curate my Instagram feed. I only have maybe like 36 photos since beginning of high school. I like I'll post stuff and I'll archive it the next couple months later mm-hmm. because I'll post it and I'm like, ooh, I like this photo. And the next couple months I look at it and I'm like, wait, I don't know if I want this online. They've gone through my filter, like my own internal filters, like It looks good to me. My friends look good as well. And I'm curating this specific profile showing out to this internet because I put it on public to want to make sure that like no other image is being seen on me except how I want you to view it. So you are on public though? I am on public because I want other people to see it too. But I'm also like, I'm very selective. So whatever you're seeing on my Instagram, you think about it a lot. So you're fine with people seeing your photos. You just want them to see specifically those few photos that you choose to put out. Do you think that that has anything to do with the rise of cancel culture? It's kind of scary because I feel like it's so easy for someone just to pinpoint something and twist your words. Like what if I accidentally had something in my background that I had no idea of and next thing you know, I'm being turned on. It's interesting how your relationship with social media is so different from mine because I definitely saw it more as a creative outlet. Like, oh, let me just post Mm -hmm. this pretty photo, whatever. And it could literally be the most random thing. 
the dumbest caption, if any, it could just be like emojis or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to hear you share this because there's definitely not that many things that I'm thinking about as I'm posting mm-hmm. something. Because I think growing up, I've had a lot of insecurities with my image and everything. So now, like I said, with my social media and stuff, it's very curated. Mm-hmm. I only want people to see what I want them to see. I would say I have a good relationship or like a good and bad relationship with social media. Like I use it to connect with friends and see what other people are up to. I think before it was very comparison based. Mm -hmm. Now I have a really good relationship with myself because I will look at photos and it's not to the point where I'm comparing myself to other people. I'm even more supportive now. I'm like, oh damn, April posted this photo. Like, hell yeah, (laughs) like JoJo, go you guys. And I don't feel a need to compare myself, but there's also that one feeling in the back of like, shit, I don't want that that. Damn, there's just something wrong with me and I get that scared feeling of posting. And that's just something I'm still dealing with. It turned into a toxic side and growing up with that, it's hard to overcome that. I think Kim Kardashian really led the way for this whole influencer culture of just having the perfect image, having these products that you're being paid for to boost. I just hate the term perfect image because who decided Right, that Kim Kardashian has to quote unquote perfect body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By the way, I don't think that's even real. I don't. It. What do you mean? It's a hundred percent not real. Everything is just fake, and mm-hmm. I'm just so skeptical of everything you see on the internet. I think that's partly why I feel like I have a pretty positive relationship with social media because I am so skeptical of basically everything in terms of photo content or just imagery that you see because. I've worked with brands and Jojo, you can probably relate to this too. Like we see the behind the scenes of how things are produced mm-hmm. and we have a better understanding of how influencer culture works because we work with influencers, you know, we see how things are behind the scenes and therefore we know that a lot of it is fake and a lot of it is produced for the purpose of creating an ad or showing off your butt or whatever, you know? <laughs> so whenever I see those types of images on Instagram, I'm just like, this person yep, probably are. spent two hours on their hair, probably took 200 photos, and this is the one photo that looked good and her body looks bang. And good for her. I'm not saying that's like a bad thing. Get your coin, whatever. But there's more to the story. Exactly. But because I understand a lot of work was put into making this photo look really nice, whether it was to plan for the photo or even like post production where there's photoshop involved or whatever Mm -hmm. i'm looking at it and i'm not thinking wow i wish my body looked like this it's like well this is a great photo good for her next and i think that's what people kind of need to see and that needs to be promoted more because we only use social media to post our successes and only what we think looks the best like no one's going to be posting the failures out here and when you do it's about how you overcame them and <laughs> it led yeah. to success like yeah. every other post on linkedin is basically that yep which is okay. i mean great for you but like, also fine that's also curated failure yeah. but I don't call it. <laughs> it's like yeah, exactly like i do want to give props to the people who've made it because sometimes i do that too i'm like look where i was and like mm-hmm. look where i am now and i'm trying to encourage people but like to the listeners out there there is so much more to the story and to know that everything is not what it seems I think that's the main point of what we're trying to say. It's yeah. just everything's not what it seems. Yeah. Even filters. Like I had to make an AI filter on Instagram for a client and the software that Instagram uses, any filter you make, you can choose if you can make people's eyes bigger. So you can smooth that skin. That's like built into the software. So just putting that out there. 
You know what's so sad? Like, some of the filters, I have, like, no eyelashes. So then when the filters <laughs> put, like, fake eyelashes on me, I'm like, damn, I look so much better. So then now, sometimes, even when we're going to get ready to go out, I feel the need. I need to put on lashes and mascara and all this stuff to reach that point of, like, I like myself on this fake image that's not real. Like, this filter is technology, and it's not it's not real. It's not real. Remember that one filter that was that game where you had to blink at six seconds? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was real popular for like a hot yeah, second. Yeah. yeah. I remember seeing a video somewhere where it was a Asian man with smaller eyes. The it didn't technology work. just thought that his eyes were closed and mm-hmm. didn't work on him. And I think social media just contributes to a lot of body dysmorphia across not just filters, but in general, just from people posting, like I said, fake bodies, Photoshop bodies. And then you start questioning whether your own body is the quote-unquote correct body. It's not the body that is palatable or what people on social media want to see because now it's so saturated with the specific image that is now our current beauty standard. And that's always constantly changing too. So because of that, I think a lot of people are constantly comparing themselves and then feeling like, since they're not exactly what the standard is, then there's inherently something wrong with themselves. And I think filters especially go really deep into that because when you take a photo of yourself and you're seeing your own face, but it's not you, once you turn off your phone and you go to the bathroom and wash your face or whatever, you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you no longer have those crazy long eyelashes. You no mm-hmm. longer have a slimmer face, smooth skin, contour, higher you know. nose. I feel like with the rise of Facetune and Photoshop, it's, it's like, just so easy. Yeah. Like, you do it with an app, and all of a sudden you're changing yourself, and you're like, wait, this is how I want to look. I look better with all this filters and all this, like, slimmer face, smooth mm-hmm. skin, whitening of teeth, like, <laughs> removing a pimple and yeah. all that stuff. And I'm and like, those are all such normal things, but we don't want to portray ourselves like that on Instagram or on social media. It's weird because I don't know if you guys have seen that whole trend where you check if your face is symmetrical, oh, and that, yeah, means, yeah. that means you're beautiful. Why does that exist? Why does it matter if your face is symmetrical? So what are some ways that you guys think would be helpful to dealing with body dysmorphia because of social media? I think the main thing would just to take everything you see on the internet with a grain of salt. Social media is is actually very positive in many ways, Mm -hmm. even though we're kind of speaking of it pretty negatively right now. I think there is a lot we can learn from each other and about ourselves through social media. I think where it goes wrong is when we take things too seriously and we put ourselves to the same standard as something that isn't real because it's already been through so many filters, filters. editing, Mm -hmm. like production, like lights, whatever. Mm -hmm. There's so much that goes behind certain things that we just need to keep that in mind. Yeah. And it's also just like finding love within yourself as cheesy as that is, (laughs) but it's just like... No, it's so true. Yeah. It's just like... Falling back in love with yourself. Yeah, it's so easy to compare yourself to everyone else, but we are all so different and we are all unique. So just falling in love with yourself, finding confidence, and it's Mm -hmm. going to be a long road. But like once you get there, you'll realize that. And all of these quote unquote flaws that we think we have aren't flaws. They're what makes us unique. I think that's something that we all need to remember too. Mm -hmm. So I think even for me, I've indirectly been trying to deal with it through my work. Because, for example, we did a shoot and we had a model with a lot of freckles and she looked really good. But someone on my team, when we were retouching the images, they mentioned that 
since we're selling products such as jewelry, it could be distracting if they have too many freckles, but I encourage the team to go forward with not retouching any of the freckles because I think if the girl has freckles, show her freckles. Mm -hmm. Like that is part of what makes her unique. Exactly. Yeah. Probably why she was casted as a model for exactly. this campaign anyways. And I think a lot of other brands are also kind of catching on to this right now. When I scroll through my feed, I get ads from brands like After Voices who are casting these diverse models. Like I recently just saw this model named Erin, who is actually a trans woman who is also in a wheelchair. And she's been in a lot of campaigns recently. And every time I see her, I think that's awesome. And get your coin. Something that I also want to be worried about is brands doing it for the sake of doing it mm -hmm. and for that good PR, mm -hmm. as opposed to genuinely caring about these people. Honestly say, I don't think brands actually care. Yeah. Is it for that mm -hmm. photo? And. Of course, it's great that these people are getting work and we are seeing more diverse models in terms of skin color, like just everything, like body, disabilities. Exactly. I don't know. I'm just so skeptical of everything I see on the internet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think I'm glad that I've learned from you guys that everything is not that real because you guys work on the more social media and entertainment side and just hearing from you guys, it's like kind of eye-opening and I feel like this needs to be promoted more because for me, I just look at stuff and I'm like, Oh, wow, she has a really good photo, but I'm not thinking the yeah. behind the scenes. No, guys, everything yeah. online is fake. All the articles yeah. you see, this person's top five favorite whatever. It's like some PR company. Someone paid them her, to do And then they have to like include the product that they're getting paid to do. Like, yeah. My naive self, I was like, oh shit, really? No. <laughs> everything you see on the internet is fake. Yeah. I am like such a firm believer. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you guys seen it with firsthand, but like people like me that I'm not exposed to it, that is my... Like people who believe The Bachelor is real. Yeah. Everything is so dramatized and produced and even when we see pictures of like the top four from Peter's season posting together, I'm like, they fucking got together to take photos together. April, out of the three of us, you said that you have posted the most. Is that because for you, you don't have to think too much about something before you send it out into the world or you like choosing different things that represent you online? I think the latter, when I was in college, especially around my third year, I was very into blogging and social media content creation and I just followed a lot of like Twitter accounts and also other content creators on Instagram. I was a part of something called College Fashionista and all the community members or we were called style gurus back <laughs> in the day would just post really pretty pictures and we would tag College Fashionista sometimes they would repost us and whatnot and in my mind it wasn't that I had to post every single day but quote unquote, as a content creator, that is what we do. We take pretty photos, we kind of build this feed for ourselves and just keep posting. So if you scroll back on my Instagram, you'll see like the skyline, you'll <laughs> see like random things. And I don't regret any of it. I personally still like those photos a lot and I'm glad I did it. But how I view social media and the amount that I post now is very, very different from back then. Would you say you're a lot more selective on your photos now? Because I mean, we've talked about this, like all of us have 20, 30,000 photos on our phones. <laughs> like, I mean, it probably consists of all of us and memes and I don't photos. think selective is the right word. I think it's just not as top of mind. When mm -hmm. I was in college, getting into social media was what I thought I was going to do post-grad as like a full-time job, being a social media manager, working for brands and just creating content in general. I straight up thought that was going to be my like career path. I loved editing photos. I loved creating a feed and taking the photos and whatever. But now that I know... I'm just not as passionate or interested in posting on social media as I was when I was in college. So it's not that I'm being selective. It's just, I'm not thinking, oh, I should take a photo of this and post it so that I can show look off to my followers or whatever. Not even look a certain way, mm -hmm. but it's just not in my mind. 
I think it's interesting that we're the first generation who we didn't grow up with social media, but it grew up with us. Like we didn't have the internet until we were probably in middle school. I didn't get data on my cell phone until college. Exactly. Which is crazy. Like I had data way too young. I was on, I consider YouTube a social media platform. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And for me, ever since sixth grade, I have always been trying to go, I guess, viral on mm-hmm. YouTube because that's what I thought was cool. And I would watch all these content creators and actually specifically Asian American content creators. And I wanted to be just like them. That was the first platform where I saw people who looked like me doing really cool things. And I think that's also just kind of like driving where I am now. I loved watching YouTube videos back in the day in high school. There was you know, it's the people we consider the OGs now. Yeah. You know what I'm talking oh, yeah. about? Like, so Timothy Delegato. Yeah, like yeah. Jen M. I think she's Jen M. Closing Counters. Oh, Closing Counters love her. Yeah, and like Michelle Phan, all those people. She's I, like the first beauty I learned how to do makeup for sure. Michelle Phan, for mm-hmm. sure. And they're like a lot older now and I don't follow them anymore. Mm-hmm. But they've had such a big impact on my life, which yeah. is so crazy. But isn't it crazy how a lot of them started in this space and a lot of them are taking a step back because, I mean, social media from where it was, like all of us, you know, post anything that we liked. We didn't care what our feeds looked like. And now it's such a thing of like, it's like, here's my random lunch. Yeah. You have an ugly filter in a pic collage. Yeah. Here's like, here's like a photo of just like me and my family on a random selfie that Mm -hmm. I like on a iPhone three. And now it's so selective. It's so curated to the point where... It's fake almost. Yeah, basically. And I feel like we grew up in this point where even I deal with so much social anxiety about posting because I'm worried about like, what are people going to think about this? What are people going to comment about this? And I think that has forced me into a hole where I'm like, is this photo that I love and I want to share with my friends? Am I okay sharing this with the public? And I cannot tell you how many photos that I have in my draft, they're ready to be posted, and I look at it, and then right before I post that post button, I'm like, oh, wait, I don't know. And then maybe I gain courage in the next, like, six months, and then it gets posted. Well, what are your guys' thoughts on a real Insta versus a Finsta? Wait, so Jackie, you follow both of our Finstas. What do you think? And do you think it reflects us? Do you think we even need a Finsta? I would say your guys' real Insta reflects you. I think I love seeing everyone's Finsta because it's more, it could either be random memes or photos that never made it to the real Insta, or it could just be giving insight onto personal lives, if that makes sense. Like some Some people post like really personal stories. Yeah. It's like where they're venting, where they're sharing losses. It's like a diary almost. Yeah, it's a good journal. I kind of love that because it's like, it gives me an insight look into my friends' lives on, like, what they do. And I, you guys probably see mine, too. I'm really into music, and I mm-hmm. post some photos that I've taken with, like, a song attached to it. But I only post that on my Finsta because I'm like, who is really listening on my real Insta, you know? We but are. Like, yeah, but <laughs> like, I post on my Finsta to share more with friends and kind of dig that deeper level. And I love seeing all my other friends do that. What do you guys think caused the rise of the Finsta? I personally think it ties in with how created people felt that they needed to be on their real Insta. They felt the need to make a Finsta so that they can shitpost. Mm -hmm. But the question is, why didn't they feel comfortable just posting that on their real Insta in the first place? I think that's the origin of the Finsta, but then it Mm -hmm. slowly evolved into other things like memes and Mm -hmm. diary and whatever. 
for me, it actually started off as kind of an alter ego because that's what my friends in college were doing. I started mine in 2014. So, well, it wasn't wholesome. It was like, this is me after a night going out. It's my drunk alter ego or like whatever. So yeah, my fin- I don't even know why I have a Finsta. So my Finsta is actually in a, an Instagram account that I created for one of my communication classes when I was in college. So if you go on there and scroll down, actually, it's like random classy like class photos. <laughs> it makes no sense. And I had this extra Instagram account. And when Finstas were on the rise, I was just kind of like, you know what? I can just like start posting random things on this account. And my Finsta is so random. There's no rhyme or reason to it. I'm just sitting one day and I'm just like, I feel like posting on my Finsta right now. So it's just like a random picture of Brian mm-hmm. or like a funny conversation we had or something. Yeah. It makes no yeah. sense. I honestly, there's no point to it at yeah. all for me. I mean, now mine includes pictures of our friend Joey's and my belly button. So <laughs> what's really my point either? Yeah, yeah. There, there is no point. Not like current belly button, our umbilical cords <laughs> that were dried up. That's another story. I think yeah. that raised more questions. Yeah. By, by trying to clarify. I know. <laughs> Yeah. Mine literally started as a way to post all my dog photos, and uh, I was like, I want to share them with my friends. So it was a dog account. Yeah, Love and then that. it just turned into photos that like I want to show friends, but I can't post on my real feed. So ones that like I do want to share with you guys. So mm-hmm. like my trip to Chicago or my trip to Europe and stuff that never made the selective feed. That didn't make it. And the reason why I think we can post so many random things on our finsta is because there's fewer people on it i think my finsta has like 20 something followers and i'm i want to keep it small because there really is no point to it right mm-hmm. and it makes me think of close friends too on your real finsta mm-hmm. so it's funny because i use my close friends not necessarily because all those people are my close friends but because <laughs> it's like a vibe i get from them oh i would like you to see more content this person would appreciate exactly my funny like i would be okay if you saw some of the other things i post mm-hmm. it's really interesting how we feel the need to censor ourselves but only in specific situations or and only with specific people mm-hmm. and that's what the close friends capability lets us do yeah so personally i have around 40 something people on close friends and I actually do consider everyone on there at least somewhat of a close friend and someone that I would want to share like a funny moment with. Because whenever I do close and close friends, it's really just random things that maybe don't look as nice. Since social media is now a big thing in our lives, when you are meeting new people, when they say they don't have social media, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Well, to be honest, for some reason, I've only dated guys who don't have social media and I kind of <laughs> like it. Not because it makes them, like, mysterious or something, but just because, like, as a person, they're low-key, mm-hmm. and they're not worried about how other people perceive them, so it kind of makes me more level-set, and I guess care less about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, my current boyfriend doesn't have any social media except for a typical Reddit or Facebook, but that's only to keep up with people, and, you know, he really does not care about what people think of him and I appreciate that so much because it's definitely affected me in positive ways but I would say the only thing that he does think about is I follow all of his friends so I'll randomly be like hey our friend x did this last week that looks so cool and he'll be like oh my god I didn't know that maybe I should make a finsta as my main account just so I can kind of keep up with people because he doesn't really get those same little updates like I do I was gonna ask like there's a different context when you are dating through apps 
because if you are dating through apps and they don't have social That's media, true. they could be a serial killer. Like, is that <laughs> how would you know? Is that a red flag? Exactly. Yeah. I think because social media is so common, it actually is pretty rare for me to meet someone to not have social media. Not that it hasn't happened, but I remember meeting this girl at a really cool woman who create event. She seemed really dope. She was new to New York. I was with our friend Stacy, and we were like, oh, like, let's follow each other on Instagram, whatever. She's like, oh, I don't have one. We can follow each other on LinkedIn instead. And Stacey and I were like, oh, okay, cool. And we never saw her again. We never talked to her again. And I feel like if she had a social media, maybe we would have been able to cultivate an actual relationship with her beyond, oh, she got a new job. Like, I agree. <laughs> you know, on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say because, like, I do appreciate people who don't have social media because, like, that's not something that is a priority for them. Mm-hmm. But also, I think just for us, it's like we send each other memes all the time and we get that from our social media so it's hard when someone doesn't have it like when we are making new friends or even dating so nick doesn't have social media when new memes come up on twitter and all this stuff do you have to like screenshot it and like send it to that or like so it's funny because i don't know if you've noticed but on other social media platforms such as instagram and reddit people will screenshot things from Twitter and mm-hmm. post them. So he gets his daily dose of memes mm-hmm. on his Reddit oh, newsfeed, feed. So he gets it. Yeah. But on the note of online dating, like I didn't meet him online. So it's not like I needed that credibility check. But I feel like if you're on an online dating platform and they don't have other ways for you to verify who they are, it feels kind of weird. Oh, yeah. You know? I, it would be a red flag for me. Because it's like, are they a catfish? And it's also with the nature of dating apps in general, like, Oh, this person kind of has a red flag. Next, whatever. There's like a mm-hmm. hundred million people on this app that I can talk to. Yeah. That I can kind of somewhat prove like they're a normal person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now that we've all three been on social media for maybe seven to ten years, give or take, mm-hmm. I'm sure we've all unfollowed people and have had others unfollow us in that amount of time. What do you think unfollowing someone really implies? I think only until recently I started unfollowing people. Like before, I've had friends from elementary school and middle school that I now am following on social media, but I like have not talked to them ever since, but I will see their posts come up. And before I would just leave them on my feed. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Keep scrolling. I think now just how toxic social media has turned and I'm trying to curate my feed where it's only beneficial to me. And I follow a lot of people that I don't even talk to I'm probably never going to talk to and I will never meet them in my life. I just try to curate where it's like my close friends and places where I'm trying to benefit. So unfollowing people to me, I think some people see it as a bad thing, but I think just personally, I just see it as like I'm trying to lessen my circle. So I'm giving people the time that I choose to. I think going off that note, I don't really get offended when someone unfollows me because I never had a relationship with them to begin with. Mm -hmm. But it does hurt when, like, that really nice girl from high school yeah. randomly <laughs> follows you on Instagram. But, hey, it's life. What are your guys' thoughts on Instagram now removing how many specific likes you have? Now it just says, this person and others. So I think I'm the only one out of us three who got that beta yeah. <laughs> rollout early. So for me, I haven't seen how many likes people get in months. So I'm really used to it. And... I think it has worked in my benefit because now I personally don't care how many likes I get, even though I know other people can see it. I never was one to really care about likes, honestly. Like I had friends in high school who would text me as soon as they post a picture asking me to go like it. And like for like used to be such a big thing. Oh my God, yeah. Right? I haven't heard that. that I think that was born on MySpace. But 
I think nowadays I haven't seen likes in so long. It doesn't matter. Although it's annoying because for work, I have to make a fake account to see likes on other profiles. <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest and say that I don't really care about likes, but there are times where I look at my photo speed and one photo that I don't care that much about gets more likes than the photo that I feel like I've put more effort in and I really like personally and I'm like, that's a little weird. Like, why did this post get more likes than the other? And then I just remember, I'm like, do I really care who likes it? So I, I go back and forth of I care, but also I try not to at the same time. So along the lines of kind of what we were talking about earlier on how, you know, most things on social media aren't real just because it is so curated, we wanted to share a photo on our own Instagrams that maybe had a funny story behind it that doesn't fully reflect what we decided to share on the caption or through the picture itself. So for me personally, something that comes to mind is this picture that my boyfriend took with me. We were at Central Park and it's a really cute picture. I'm wearing like a dress and we're just having a good time in Central Park and that's really it. But what you don't see is that 20 minutes before this photo was taken, I was so upset. I honestly don't even remember what the fight was about, but we got off the train station at Columbus Circle and I was like, no, I'm going home. Like, I do not want to go to the park right now. Like, mm-hmm. this is just not a good time. So I was so upset. We, I remember at Columbus Circle, there's an area where it reminded me of like subway stations in Asia where there was just a lot of little restaurants and food that you could eat at. But we sat somewhere and we just kind of like chilled for like 10 15 minutes and i was like okay i think i'm pumped out let's go to the park but from this photo you would not have been able to know that at all my captions about like the heat wave and the weather but i was just so upset even though i don't remember what i was upset about now so for me when i went to egypt last year i got a chance to visit the dead sea with some of my friends and For those of you who don't know, it's called the Dead Sea because there's no life, there's no fish, because the water is so salty and so dense, and when you swim in it, you can actually float without any sort of support or floaties. So there's this beautifully taken photo of me, it's perfectly framed, I like color graded it so it looks perfect, and my caption is the lowest point on Earth's surface with an Earth emoji. (laughs) But what you don't know is that I'd actually started my period that week, I had a tampon in, And because the water was so salty, my tampon had soaked in all of that good stuff. And I kid you not, when we first started swimming, didn't really feel anything. It was fine. We were taking pictures. And then when it was my turn to finally get my photo taken, I started feeling a burning sensation. And it was so bad that I was like, take the dang picture so I can go run to the bathroom and fix my situation because it hurts so much. So you would never know that story when you look at my feed. That's such a funny story to me because it's a beautiful photo. She's yeah. floating in the water. It's so pretty. And she looks like she's living her best life. Yeah. Like in her bikini, floating in the water. She's in the Dead Sea on vacation. That's but crazy. hearing this, that's amazing. And also sounds very painful. I'm sorry, you have to go through that. Instagram should make that feature, the story behind the real photo. I feel like captions now are so selective and yeah. stuff. But like now I, now I want to go through your guys' Instagram. I'm like, hey, what happened right before <laughs> this, you know? <laughs> So now we're going to transition to takeout time where we ask random questions to each other. The first one up is what does your explore page consist of in three words? I'll go first. Mine is of course Ariana Grande. There's like (laughs) video clips, little song segments, behind the scenes, and then I have mukbang stuff. The third thing that I see is actually Animal Crossing memes. So that actually described me pretty well. <laughs> so for my explore page, I would say 80% of this is nail looks 
and nail designs. You do have some bomb ass nails. <laughs> True. And then it goes on to a lot of different hair pictures. I think this is because I recently dyed and cut my hair. So my FBI man was probably listening in on that and <laughs> just sharing some photos. And then for the last thing, I would say it's like beauty related and clothes related stuff. So just like typical influencer content and like online boutiques. Mm-hmm. I would say mine is curated with. I've been super into, like, the home cafe. You see that on Instagram. So, basically, where they, like, pour and make their own drinks and that I want to open a cafe. So, that has been top of mind. Also, random Blackpink stuff because I've been binge-watching their videos Jackie's and fan cams. <laughs> and then, lastly, I've been slowly trying to get into more fashion-related stuff. And I was telling April and JoJo, I'm like, you guys need to help me build a whole new wardrobe and all that stuff. So, that is on the top right now but I feel like it changes throughout my interests and stuff depending on the season (laughs) who are the type of people that you guys follow recently I've been getting a lot into a lot of like the mental health and productivity and all that kind of stuff so I like it because when I follow it it comes up on my feed of reminders of like you can do this and remember to take a breather and some other influencers I would say I follow is Jen M and Whaley and that kind of crew because I feel like I grew up watching them and it's nice to see their lives and it's very calming to me. I now watch influencers as just a way to like calm down. I'm not comparing my life or anything, but I'm just like always interested to see what they do. And I think because they're a little older, it's like, what are they now doing in their lives and what can I expect? So out of all the social media platforms that we have, what would you say is your favorite one? I would have to choose between Twitter or LinkedIn. But Instagram's up there, too. I actually spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. Me, too. I don't know why. (laughs) Like, what am I doing on there? But I just think it's fun. For me, it used to be Twitter just because I feel like no one really judges you on Twitter. It's just you get memes and it's fun. You can send them to friends. But right now it's YouTube just because of my Animal Crossing WAP video. Um, Shameless plug. But if you go type in Animal Crossing WAP on YouTube, you'll see a project I worked on during quarantine. (laughs) I love it. The video is currently at over 800,000 views and it will reach 1 million. Little 12-year-old me is screaming right now. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. We hoped we shared some insights on our relationships with social media and maybe you can take away something too and reflect on your own relationship with how you consume and create for your online presence. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Asian Glow Pod and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.